0: Will meat adverts soon be a thing of the past?
1: King Charles has announced a ban on live exports. Is this a victory for animals?
0: And what predictions does ChatGPT have for the vegan movement?
1: Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Anthony. I'm Richard. And it's time for episode 9 of Vegan Week.
0: Thanks for joining us for episode 9 of Vegan Week. Do you want all the vegan news? Do you love the animal rights debates? Do you like listening to grown men arguing about the latest Sainsbury's Christmas card? Then you're in the right place. We're not alone though. We're joined as always by my good friend Anthony. Anthony, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm great, thank you. I'm enjoying your intro and I'm looking forward to arguing about the Sainsbury's Christmas card later on. It's been one of our biggest weeks of downloads. In fact, I think it has been our biggest week of downloads for the pod this week and I'm lucky enough to have been able to read loads of lovely comments that people have been sending in about the podcast this week. So I'm feeling grand, looking forward to recording this episode. Hello, everyone. Fantastic to be with you again for another dose of bigger news, commentary and discussion.
0: And Anthony, I noticed we don't have a sponsor for this week's show.
1: No, we we thought rather than have a sponsor for every episode, it'd be great to sometimes give a shout out to causes that are close to our hearts instead. Um, And so this week, we're delighted to be bringing you Vegan Week in association with New Beginnings Animal Sanctuary in Kent. New Beginnings is a UK animal sanctuary and non-profit organisation dedicated to providing a safe and loving home for a variety of individuals. Their mission is to provide solace, and care for victims of neglect, cruelty and exploitation. They also work to inspire others to have compassion and respect towards animals previously seen as a product or stock for profitable gain. Now New Beginnings are currently crowdfunding towards their ongoing vet bills and we've got a link in our show notes for all of you who are able to support them in this way. Thank you so very much in advance.
0: Thanks Anthony. On to this week's episode, you might have tuned in today to hear us discuss the subject of meat adverts. Will they soon become a thing of the past? Has this been tried anywhere before? And are we just getting our hopes up? That will be our main discussion topic today, coming up in the second half of the show.
1: Yes, indeed. But seeing as this is the Vegan Week podcast, we always make the first section of our show a rundown and commentary of the week's top 10 vegan news stories.
0: Right. Enough of the falafel. Let's go.
1: Okay, we've selected 10 news stories that have been released in the last seven days or so, all of which relate to veganism, animal rights or outcomes for animals.
0: Yes, so to start with, a big piece of news from the UK. From the grocer, King's Speech, Life Animal Export Ban, hailed as historic achievement.
1: Yes, so on Tuesday this week in the UK, we had the King's Speech, which for those of you who are unaware, sets out the government's agenda for the coming political year. Now, ministers have committed to moving forward with the Animal Welfare Bill, effectively ending the live exports of animals from Britain for slaughter or for fattening up, for one of a better phrase. Now, the announcement builds on a previous pledge from former DEFRA Secretary George Eustace in December 2020. The RSPCA, which have been campaigning to outlaw live exports for more than 50 years, have hailed the inclusion of stronger animal welfare legislation in the government's proposals as an historic day. They claim that transporting live cattle in long crowded journeys abroad was a practice generally done under poor conditions, which were detrimental to the animal's welfare and posed a challenge to businesses dealing with overstocking or sick or injured animals. Now, several countries, including Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil, have recently rolled out similar rules around exports of livestock, ruling out live exports themselves. However, this news this week makes the UK the first European nation to implement such a law. Rich, I've predicted here what you're going to say. I think you're going to say that this is a slight improvement in welfare and therefore it doesn't achieve very much. Am I right?
0: You're starting to know me. You're starting to know me. Yes. (laughs) So this is a, a small achievement in terms of welfare. And I don't want to say... You know, it's a small one because obviously the animals really suffer when they're transporting. I think we can all Google or YouTube images of how these animals are transported or when there's an accident or a boat just is in very poor conditions. But I I have two lectures here or two two visions of this story. First of all, it's very interesting to see the king say that. I do (laughs) definitely think that is an improvement. I really think so. Yeah, yeah. I think if countries as Australia and New Zealand have banned it when the access to those countries is not that easy, especially for exports, it's normal that the UK does that. And yeah, I you know me, I'm an abolitionist, as you mentioned before, but I think this is going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, it is. There's, there's obvious hypocrisy or inconsistencies that we can point towards. I mean, the RSPCA saying, oh, this this, this is um, making animal welfare worse if, if animals are, are, are having to go abroad on on boats and things prior to being killed. It's like, well, they're going to be killed. Like that's that's the main thing that we need to be focusing on, isn't it? But those things aside, the, the main takeaway for me is that it, it's just shifting that culture just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Not as quickly as we'd like, of course, but it's, it's just getting it more and more acceptable that we make moves in our culture, in our society, to make animals' lives and welfare better. Obviously, like I say, it's it's not as quick as we'd like. And actually, the bottom line is we don't want animals to be killed for food or for any reason at all. But it's, it's just that slight shift of culture, isn't it?
0: Yeah. One thing I wanted to add is that usually welfare comes because of economical reasons also and health and safety so for example in many slaughterhouses the way they kill animals is not only for the welfare of the animals but also for the health and safety of the people doing that job and in this case I also see that there's an improvement in the goods delivered so it's much easier for the goods and I'm really sorry to talk in these terms because an animal should never be called a good but it's much easier for the good to get damaged after three or four or ten days or how many days they're on the sea. And therefore, it's less economical, less viably economically.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up economics because an examination of Farming UK's website this week had a story on this in response to the King's speech and a lot of farming unions were not happy about this. The main reason being that this will increase the supply of animals to this country. Therefore, if we're exporting fewer, then there's going to be more here. Therefore, the price will go down, which I know not every farmer is necessarily using that argument, but it does just show quite where people's priorities are, doesn't it? We're saying this this practice is really horrid and shouldn't happen. And several farmers unions are responding going, yeah, but it's going to make the price go down. I mean, Sometimes as a vegan to advocate for animals, all you've got to do is shut up and let other people talk because their own lack of compassion speaks far louder than anything you could say. And I think this is a clear example of that.
0: Okay, more animal agriculture news now from Farming UK. Gosh, do you have a subscription?
1: (laughs) Uh, Not a paid one, but I do. I do get emails delivered daily from them. Saves me scrolling.
0: You'll end up working there, you know.
1: Uh, well, maybe undercover.
0: <laughs> undercover. Obviously undercover. Anyway, under, sorry, undercover, I'm link here. I
1: I I I like how we're advertising my undercover mission on a podcast that's <laughs> that's broadcast to all corners of the globe.
0: We're broadcasting a secret mission, listeners. Anyway, um from Farming UK, government launches one million pound program to grow British dairy exports.
1: Yeah, so the official launch of this bespoke programme was announced this week. It focuses solely on boosting British dairy exports. The industry already exports a staggering £2 billion worth of dairy um, and products such as whey powder, things like that, to more than 135 countries. This programme specifically aims to provide a range of targeted support for UK dairy businesses to help them seize export opportunities and access new markets. Now, the NFU, the National Farmers Union, said that the launch was a significant boost for the sector, helping to build on the union's plans to double the value of dairy exports over the next 10 years, attending the launch at Lycross Farm, the NFU Dairy Board chair Michael Oakes called British Dairy a success story. Now, that is interesting because regular listeners to the show will note that a couple of weeks ago, we were reporting dairy production being down and at its lowest level since records began. Uh, so there's definitely a contradiction there uh, or a PR spin at least from from the chair of the of the Dairy Board. Uh, he went on to say... It puts the UK dairy industry in a strong position to bolster our global exports and helps us to set a global standard when it comes to trading sustainable, climate-friendly dairy products. More on what we think of that in a moment. Rich, is interesting that on the show a couple of weeks ago, we, we covered a story showing that the UK is consuming less dairy milk than ever before. And then very shortly afterwards, the government is launching a £1 million programme to boost demand elsewhere in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a reflection that because of the consumption, uh, because dairy consumption in the UK is going down, obviously the surplus needs to be exported because if not, their perception is they're losing out on revenue. And therefore, why not? The government sub- should subsidise it even more and subsidizing the advertising or whatever, the growing of the
1: the exports. Or or we could just recognise that the demand for our product is dropping in this country, so maybe let's make less of it. How about that? Nah. Nah. Really? it's just burying your head in the sand isn't it i mean in in a sense you can applaud let's ignore the horrific ethics involved in the dairy industry you can applaud the ingenuity of the and, and adaptability of the government in saying right we're losing demand here let's see if we can create demand somewhere else like fair enough but but also like come on like the game's up people are buying less and less of it just just start to look for alternatives start to diversify start to like you've said many times rich let's start to look at how we can find new job opportunities for people in these industries that are clearly in decline and clearly i mean this this whole thing about climate-friendly dairy products like just because you're the dairy board chair of the of the national farmers union you can't just say climate-friendly dairy products and make it true it's not true it can't be the case you just need to admit it why don't they wake up oh i may mean, i'm so cross there's i understand
0: why you're crossed when i see things like environmental friendly climate friendly associated to meat dairy And all these products, it makes me think, like, where do you get your evidence from? What studies are you using? Mm. So it's really appalling to see this.
1: Something that I was considering whilst reading this story was actually that the PR around UK farming and UK welfare standards, we hear it all the time, we've got the best welfare standards in the world for animals. I think, or I fear, that that's actually going to make our dairy products seem quite desirable, to, to people in, in other countries, rightly or wrongly. I, I think probably we just put a lot of money into the marketing of it. I, I don't know whether they are any less inhumane here than they are elsewhere. But that is my concern, that it becomes one of these things that people across the world think, oh, we want to get UK dairy. That's That's valuable. In the same way that... I mean, Rich, you live in it in a university town. UK higher education has this huge reputation, which I think is completely unjustified. People travel at huge expense to to study here in this country. And personally, I, I, this is a side tangent. I, I don't think our universities are any better than any in any other part of the world. It's it's just they've got a good reputation, and and perhaps because of British Empire. I I don't know, but it's it's all about perceptions, isn't it? And I worry that we might see the same with UK dairy. It's just seen as this really desirable thing. So even though people are drinking less of it in this country, people can still make a living exporting it to to other countries.
0: Well, on the tangent side, let me say that I think the UK is brilliant at exporting knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that brings a lot of revenue. Call it courses, call it universities. I've not failed in that many universities all around the world, so I can't know really what the level <laughs> of education is all around the world. But yeah, I see, I totally understand what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. It's like, what's this perception all about? And the, as you said about the jobs, this is a lost opportunity to look at the future instead of lo- trying to save the past. Okay, this is the final story relating to the UK government now. From the ENDS report, government in court over failure to cut meat and dairy consumption.
1: Yeah, so pay attention to the details of this story because the headline, I think possibly sounds a bit more dramatic than it actually is. So a a judicial review of the government's 2022 food strategy was heard this week, with claimants arguing that ministers failed to consider UK carbon budgets and follow Climate Change Committee advice to reduce meat and dairy consumption. Now, this judicial review was bought by a charity called Feedback, who are calling for a more sustainable food system. Now, the story grabs your attention. It grabbed mine with this headline saying, gosh, the the UK government has been taken to court because it's not cutting dairy and meat consumption quick enough. And you think, oh, my goodness, the government's going to get sued. However, the bigger picture paints a slightly less optimistic picture. The court hearing was actually in the court of appeal because Feedback's first attempt to get this case heard in court was, in fact, rejected. By the High Court. They're taking the next option that's available for them, which is to appeal that decision. Nonetheless, Karina Millstone, Executive Director of the Charity Feedback, said that the group is confident the legal challenge will establish that the government has a legal responsibility to put in place policies to reduce emissions in the food and farming sector. The group argued that the government, in particular DEFRA and the Department of Energy Security and Net Zero, failed in its duties under Section 13 of the Climate Change Act to make sure that its food strategy adopted in 2022 would support UK carbon budgets and the delivery of the legally binding 2050 net zero target. Now, in the Climate Change Committee's 2022 report on government process progress on reducing emissions, and also in its 2023 report, it outlined that the government has not set out any ambition for uk consumption of meat and dairy to be reduced now the government have responded to this a a spokesperson said that they had exceeded their targets in every carbon budget to date and it remains committed to meeting them in the future the court is now considering its judgment in the case and it will be published in due course. So we'll obviously report on any, any findings that come up in the coming weeks. Rich, what what are your thoughts on this one? I, when I first read it, I thought, well, this is just a publicity stunt. But actually, when you think about it, that's kind of the whole point of this. Like publicity and pressure is is the end goal here. That's what's going to make the government change its behaviour, surely.
0: Yes. I think here the problem is the government probably is not thinking 20, 30 years ahead. It's just thinking, how will I win the next election? So even if they don't meet targets, yeah, they can always find ways of clever talking and not kind of tackling the problem itself call it food security they'll call it energy security it's very difficult on the other hand this is kind of in a spectrum where we see is it up to the government to tell people what they should do or is our people the ones that take the lead and after the government follows so everyone has a responsibility here of making sure we hit targets but i don't think we should focus only on the government needs to do that we need to As individuals be accountable for our decisions also
1: well it's a difficult one isn't it because actually that there is a legally binding target for 25 years 27 years time from now and actually that's that's kind of the the law of the country but i suppose it is the government that is ultimately accountable to that isn't it which is odd because like you say, it's down to the actions of individuals. It's a difficulty with with a litigious culture, I suppose, that we're kind of, we're focusing too much on who to point the blame at rather than actually changing the behaviour. But I mean, it it made me wonder, well, if this claim is successful in in court, is the government then obliged to pay compensation to victims of climate change? Like, how far do we take this?
0: Yeah that's an interesting point that you're raising because I'm I'm guessing that every year has a target
1: I don't know I don't know because
0: if the target is for in 27 years it is so how do you measure that every year how how do we know if we don't target or not
1: well and and indeed it's it's in such a a long period of time relatively speaking that 27 years from now there are so many things that are going to happen between now and then it's not going to be a straight line, is it? No. And, and so these, you know, this is the thing with numbers and targets and just metrics like this. It it kind of almost pales into insignificance. But I mean, the, 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 the I guess the point of the action. I'm assuming that feedback are doing this just to raise awareness of it and to to try and campaign for it. It's a campaigning strategy, isn't it? That really, whether they win or not is kind of irrelevant. It's it's just raising awareness of it and and trying to hold people to account. Yeah, um, you're right. I guess the that the only the only risk that I see is that if they they've already had it rejected as something that will be even debate debated in the High Court, what if it goes to court and they lose? In, in a sense, it it kind of lets the government off the hook, doesn't it? So it, it comes with some risk.
0: Yeah, there's surely some risks here. Um, let's hope it pays off and there's some reward at the end of it. Okay, from the Daily Mail, AI predicts majority of the world will be vegan by 2075.
1: So let's give some context to this story. The Daily Mail took some information collected by the NPD group, a survey, lots of data on on different people's eating habits, their trends, the, the direction they're going with things they fed it into chat gpt and then the ai software created a timeline which culminated in veganism being the norm for pretty much everyone by 2075 i'll try and give you the headlines here so in 2024 gen z and millennials will start raising awareness leading to major food tech companies releasing more varied plant-based meat alternatives by 2028 and then The word will be spread on social media plant-based diets will be on the rise among north americans and europeans one year later whilst dairy and meat alternatives are pricey the chatbot believes this will change in 2032 around the same time some regions will see a decline in traditional farming By 2037, they're saying North American and European governments will implement subsidies for plant-based agriculture. ChatGBT predicts the first Climate Action and Veganism Day to be celebrated in 2048 endorsed by celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio and Natalie Portman. At least one of those will be dead by then, I'm sure. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to comment until the end. (laughs) I'm quite sceptical about this story, as you might be able to tell. Um... By about 2057, veganism will be widely accepted and normalised in many parts of the world. Uh, And apparently that's because athletes like Serena Williams and Lewis Hamilton will push to normalise the diet in 2059. They'll definitely be dead by then. Global Vegan Week will become an international event in 2064. McDonald's will reintroduce the McVegan in 2068. McDonald's will be leaning then into a rapid transition to a fully vegan menu. In 2070, most younger generations who have grown up with veganism as the norm have significantly shaped a predominantly vegan world. And by 2073, the world is almost entirely vegan two years before animal farming become obsolete. And it finishes its predictions by saying, whilst it's impossible to predict the future with certainty, we can offer a hypothetical timeline based on the assumption that Gen Z and millennials raising awareness on animal agriculture will lead to a significant shift in dietary habits. Right, Rich, I'd like your thoughts on this first. I'm going to try and zip it, and then I'll see if I can respond without getting too cross. What do you think?
0: Oof, that was a long analysis that Chad GPT did there. Okay, I have different thoughts here. First, I'm not sure we'll make it to 2075. (laughs) And I think it's that. difficult as society at the current rate of destruction that we make it to 2075. I don't know if Chad GPT has admitted that maybe the world will be vegan because we'll no longer exist, but let's leave, <laughs> leave that aside. Second thing, it seems to be biased towards a Western-side approach of world domination and we don't know if that will shift in the coming years with the rise of China and the decline of the US yes I'm not sure if this will happen as this says I don't know and if it's 2075 you know when I read that I thought if I had to sign a document saying you are guaranteed by 2075 even if you're not here Would you sign this document to make sure the world becomes vegan one day? And I was kind of, yes, I would sign it, but it's so far away. So many animals will die in the process.
1: Sorry, are you saying as opposed to seeing if it can happen naturally sooner?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, I understand. May I come in and... and,
0: Absolutely, uh, please do.
1: So my first overview of this is obviously it's something that a tabloid newspaper has done to create a headline like they're admitting that themselves so I think we need to bear that in mind across the whole thing my second thought is whilst we call it artificial intelligence who created it in the first place like it's it's just reinforcing our own opinions and projections and, and, and things like that and I don't know how it works but I wonder whether if you go into chat gbt or, or similar bits of software. I don't know whether it has a bias according to what you've asked it before in the same way that Google does. In that, I reckon if you went into it and said, can you give me a timeline saying how everyone will go to a carnivore diet? I wonder whether it would give you a similar timeline and kind of predict how it might happen in the same way that Google will, will give different people different answers to the same question because it basically tells you what you want to hear. I think all of the the further forward the dates go, the more ridiculous it becomes. So we're talking about 2057. Veganism is widely accepted and normalised, but then seven years later, Global Vegan Week becomes an international event. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, if 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 Veganism's already widely accepted. Why are we having Global Vegan Week? So it it seems to...
0: Sorry, they're celebrating the show. Don't get it wrong.
1: (laughs) They're celebrating our show. That's true. Not the fact that the world is vegan. (laughs) Oh gosh, are they predicting that our podcast will go global in 2064? I mean, that's a terrifying...
0: That's what I... When you were reading it, I said like, well, some praise for
1: what we're doing. That's what I... Well, that's what I thought. I don't know if I want to be doing this podcast when I'm 78, to be honest. But it, yeah, it's. I think it's basically a load of old baloney. And oh, do you know what? As much as I love a headline that says the world will be vegan in 50 years time being published in the Daily Mail, the fact that they've reached that conclusion by it coming from a load of old tosh spouted by ChatGPT, I think I'd just rather they hadn't done it. And I know I'm making the situation worse by reporting on it on a podcast. But I, yeah, I think it's a load of old rubbish. And I think if, if I've seen a few vegans on on social media, like re-reporting this and going, oh, isn't this great? And I just think, no, don't don't use this as evidence. Like we've got real evidence of, of why people should be vegan, real evidence of progress. Like we don't need to say that this chat bot has said it, therefore it's going to be true. I think I really don't want to champion this story at all. I think it needs to go in the trash heap as soon as possible.
0: Okay, before we move on to the next story, I want to reassure our listeners that we don't use artificial intelligence to create the show. I think just based on the opinions of Anthony. <laughs> I, I,
1: I think it's pretty evident that we don't use any any intelligence, artificial or, or otherwise, to be fair.
0: Okay. So For a largely vegan world by 2075, we'll need lots of new food tech, such as this described by The Economist. VIN or Vene Meat Technologies received first ever EU approval for cultivated meat for pet food.
1: Yeah, so this is news of a Czech startup who have become the first company in the world to obtain EU certification to produce and sell cultivated meat for pet food. Roman Križ managing director of the company said we're excited to have achieved certification of a new raw material from the european feed materials register binding for the entire eu this first is the beginning of our journey to include the production and sale of other forms of cultured meat now depending on partnerships and agreements sample products should be available as early as next year and cultivated meat products could launch in stores anytime In the next 12 months, said the the Czech startup, the company founded in 2020 is led by a team of 80 international biotechnologists and food scientists. They're developing a cost effective platform for cultivating meat for the food and feed industries at an industrial scale without using unethical fetal bovine serum. Rich, this is something I feel like you brought up as a possibility a few weeks ago when we were talking about... Were we talking about pet food or were we talking about cultured meat? One of the two, but you, you said... I think it was pet food. Yeah, yeah. Well, here it is. You've talked it into being, or maybe you secretly knew about this story. It's an interesting one, isn't it?
0: It's a very interesting one, and it's the way forward. It, it really, for pets at least, removes the ethical problem of killing an animal just to raise another animal as a pet. So it removes that. And probably this will all be very expensive at the beginning, but I guess it's a bit like Ford with the Model T, you know, they first, the early adopters of any technology always pay the higher price so they can get the profits, do a bit more research, get bigger facilities or factories, and then lower the price. We've seen that with computers, with cars, with anything. I think this this is the way forward, to be honest.
1: Yeah, the CEO of the company has said that cost is one of their most important factors that they're going to consider, and actually, they think they're going to be offering really good value from the start. So, hopefully, that the price differential shouldn't be very different for very long. I really like your optimism in in saying that it, it takes away the problem for pet owners having to you know having to pay for animals to be killed for them. I think there's still going to be a lot of skepticism. I can imagine a lot of people thinking i don't want to take a risk feeding my companion animal something that's been cultured cultivated in a lab i'd much rather stick to food that i know that they're happy with obviously a lot of people will straight away say brilliant i've always felt uncomfortable at feeding my dog chopped up rabbit so this this stops this but i think for it to become a cultural norm will still probably take some time but but great that that bridge across that gap is, is has happened now, I guess.
0: Yes, on what you're saying, you know, it's very interesting that you're mentioning that probably this will not be perceived as safe in a way as giving them the traditional animal-based food. Mm. It would be good to have an, a documentary about how pet food is produced because there's a lot, lots of uh, evidence and even not evidence beyond evidence that the the parts of the animals they use they they've even used euthanized animals to put into pet food so by by feeding your dog, your cat with certain animal food I don't want to say everyone because obviously every company is differently there's a risk that it's not as good as you might think and obviously when something is not fit for human consumption it should make you think
1: yeah yeah absolutely but it's, it's certainly a step in the right direction isn't it and I'll be I'll be really interested to see how how close how closely they can price things uh, because unfortunately yeah. that is that is the biggest factor for a lot of people isn't it
0: absolutely Okay, interesting developments and there's more. Again from The Economist and I really want you to explain this story to me. Three million raised to develop cell cultivated breast
1: milk. Yeah, so this is a French startup called Numi. They're a biotech pioneering the production of cell-cultured breast milk human breast milk, that is. They've announced that they've raised 3 million euros in funding from a group of investors. This new capital will support the expansion of the company's scientific teams, facilitate its next phase of research and development and progress towards marketing the company and its products. The company states its mission as to redefine infant health by providing an alternative to cow's milk for women unable or unwilling to breastfeed. Now, you might be interested to know that cow's milk alternatives for breast milk lack the essential nutrients and components that are crucial for infant growth, kind of not surprising, considering it's cow's milk, and we're talking about infant growth in humans. But there are around one and a half thousand constituents found in human breast milk, which is why it's is generally perceived as the the optimum infant nutrition, particularly in the first 12 months of of a child's life. Cow's milk, aside from the ethical and moral issues, it can also cause allergies and and digestion problems in many infants too, which is, is a big part of why this French startup is looking for alternatives. In a sense, Rich, <laughs> two middle-aged white men are not the uh, best people to comment on this story, but we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. I probably researched more into this story than I have on any other this week because I'm aware of my sort of low starting point for for knowledge on it. There are formulas out there, infant formulas, that are vegan soy based pea protein based and things like that so they do do already exist in the same way that there are non-vegan formulas out there i think a lot of the time breastfeeding is seen as as just this this natural thing that everyone wants everyone is able to do and i think that contributes to quite a lot of shame for, for a lot of people if they're not able to to, to breastfeed their child, and so these these formulas, or, or maybe they don't want to, or, or their their lifestyle doesn't lead to it naturally, some or all of the time. So having alternatives is really important, and I guess this is just about giving another alternative out there, and it's it's kind of similar to the last. Well, there are similarities with the previous story in that people have this option now, or they will have this option now, of saying, "Do I want to go for a cow's milk infant formula?" Do I want to go for a, an infant formula that is plant-based? Or do I want to go for an infant formula that is actually based on human cells, human cultures? So it's, it's basically breast milk, but obviously not come from, from that mother themselves. And I guess from a vegan point of view, it's it has a lot of advantages, doesn't it?
0: Yes. As you said at the beginning, we are probably not the best to, to discuss this in depth. It seems to me like if we are doing all these advances, medical advances, tech advances, cultured meat advances, it does make sense to start, I wouldn't say niche, but thinking about what challenges we have as humanity and how to better solve them using the available technology. So if this is an issue for many people that they can't breastfeed for, for any reason, you know, uh, it does make sense to be able to source a product that's as ethical and close to the real breastfeeding uh, milk as possible.
1: Yeah, and, and what it makes me think as well is is progress and, and development and advances, they're often helped along by things that are almost accidental. And actually, I, I think really this news is not primarily vegan-related news, is it? It's, it's kind of more about cultivated cells, cultivated technology and things like that. That's more the domain it's coming under. It's not really a vegan-related story. However, because so much is going on about lab-grown meat and cultivated meat, in a sense, something like this will actually potentially help normalise other cell-based and cultivated technologies, won't it? So actually, that the thought of, Oh I'm not sure how I feel about this this lab grown burger well actually if this cultivated human breast milk becomes normalized because there are so many people out there that need that need alternatives to breastfeeding themselves if this becomes the default go to instead of breastfeeding your child and it and it's lab grown effectively And that becomes normalized. Well, that helps other normalized products, doesn't it? I feel like I'm taking about five minutes to make a really simple point, but it it could benefit the vegan movement, I feel.
0: It could benefit the vegan movement absolutely, and on what you're saying, I just want to make a prediction. I know it's been a few episodes that we've not made predictions, but I believe that as Chad, Chagip, because Chad GPT already gave a prediction, okay. I believe in the next twenty thirty years, you won't even you won't even need to go to a grocery store or or, or a place to buy these things. Probably you'll print it at home using a three D printer. And probably it will be by big corporations with a subscription-based program in which you'll click a button, you'll get the product you want. No transport needed, but you'll have to pay the royalty to use the formula that they're giving you to use the 3D product. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I know I went on a tangent there, but I, I all this for me is saying it will reach a point where you'll be able to buy anything you want cultured Even probably, I don't know if they can do cultured um, vegetables. I mean, there's Mm. lots of foods out there that in a way they're fermented. I don't know Mm. if... I know that's different from cultured, but I guess it's a different step. So I can see people being able to... Printed at home in, in the not that long future. Mm,
1: interesting. It's it's uh predictions week here on Vegan Week. Uh, Rich versus ChatGPT, who will win? And needless to say, if if anyone who has more experience than Rich and I on raising children and breastfeeding would like to add your voice to this story, then we thoroughly encourage you to, to get in touch via enough of the falafel at gmail.com. We've done our best to report on this story, but clearly not our area of expertise. 30s. Let's move on.
0: Yes. Well, with all this investment, I wonder who Numi banks with. If it's an they may have received an unusual message recently. This next story is from The Daily Skeptic. NatWest combs customer account and tells them to go vegetarian to save the planet.
1: Yeah, so NatWest is telling customers to stop eating meat and to drive electric cars after combing their accounts to calculate their customers' carbon footprint. There is now a carbon footprint tracker on the bank's mobile app. Maybe many listeners bank with NatWest and have seen this already. They can use the transaction data of customers and make recommendations on how to reduce the amount of carbon production their shopping supports. The bank has told customers to consider mending their clothing as opposed to going to high street shops to buy new outfits as well as stopping drinking dairy milk in favour of plant-based alternatives. It's also suggested that customers switch off tumble dryers, share car journeys, repair broken electronic devices themselves and wash their clothes in cold water. Under the The way it works is under the spending section of the bank's app Customers can switch between my spending and my footprint. And under the my footprint section, customers are told the impact of typical purchases. NatWest also outlines a number of ways customers may change their diets to become more eco-friendly, such as going vegetarian and partly vegan, as well as cutting out beef and trying meat-free mondays the bank's app asks its users to try adding tofu and lentils to their diets as well as substitutes for eating meat rich natwest bank possibly the last place we'd be expecting vegan advocacy to be coming from but here we are towards the end of 2023 and it is happening
0: i I can't believe it anthony (laughs) Do, do they really say all this
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's um, in the introduction that we've given to the story. There, it's not like they're texting us and saying, "Oh, why don't you not buy that and buy this instead?" But yeah, it's all, all part of the all part of the greenwashing.
0: Yeah, it's all part of the greenwashing. But I'm I'm still trying to get to terms with this story because I was not expecting this this week, you know. And yeah. but on. on on the other hand, it makes sense that for a bank they look at the long, at the high picture and the long view. So, if they want their customers to be healthy and keep putting money into their accounts and to the bank, they want them to lower the foot, um, the carbon footprint, and become as vegan or as closely, closely as vegan as possible. I don't know if they have an incentive by the government to do so. So I don't know if there's money involved there, but yeah, it's it's surprising nevertheless.
1: Okay. So I'm gonna say that I think this is one hundred percent PR, is one hundred percent a publicity stunt. I don't think there's any calculation in there in terms of saying, Oh, we really want to be encouraging people to be environmentally friendly, purely based on the fact that as well as still lending To companies who invest in nuclear weapons natwest in the last year have lent an additional 1.25 billion pounds to uk farmers that is on top of what they normally do but last year they said oh do you know what we're gonna we're gonna lend over a billion pounds more to farmers because we know that you're struggling now i'm assuming i've not got the data on it but i'm assuming they weren't just arable farmers a lot of them are going to be involved in animal agriculture and that is Clearly, clearly having a much bigger effect than having a few nice little phrases on your app. And I think they are passing the buck here and saying, oh, why don't you why don't you buy some almond milk? That would be good. Why don't you try washing your clothes in cold water? No no no. Take a look at yourself, Nat West. Stop funding nuclear weapons. Stop funding all these industries that are causing these environmental problems and untold misery to the planet. Like take a look at yourself before you start saying, Oh, maybe you should buy some second hand shoes. Load of old rubbish.
0: What you're saying is do as I say and not as I do. I, that's their approach.
1: But the thing is, rich they they don't even believe it themselves because if they did, that they, they wouldn't be lending to certain companies. that if I if I turn up tomorrow and and say to them, do you know what I want to start a business that that only sells uh, red meat uh, and that the highest the highest carbon footprint foods in in the world. So long as I didn't pitch it to them in those terms, if I said, yeah, it's a delicatessen and we're going to sell this, and I gave them a good enough business plan, they would lend me the money. They don't give two hoots about these things. It is pure greenwashing. I'm sick of it. They, they need to be held to account.
0: Yeah, because th- what they're doing is just passing the responsibility to the end consumer, the people that are putting the money in their accounts instead of doing it themselves. So, yeah, I, I cannot add anything else to what you've said you've said it very clearly there
1: yeah well i just want to encourage anyone listening with 60 seconds free at some point in the next week just google what your what major banks invest in who they're willing to lend to it will it will really stagger you and you know going with a bank that is not a major high street bank is inconvenient don't get me wrong but actually, in terms of them lecturing us on how to be compassionate and how to or make considerate decisions, they're the last people on earth almost that I would listen to for for compassionate decisions on my lifestyle. I, um, yeah. So yeah, just spend sixty seconds looking it up. It will it will really blow your mind.
0: Just to add to what you said, Anthony. When you see, as I saw the other day, that there's a weapon business that claims to do sustainable weapons, and they were claiming that their weapons were sustainable and environmentally friendly. Once you read this load of (laughs) you can believe anything from a bank or from, you know, these sort of corporations. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-corporation. I think we need them. And I think they need us more than we need them. Yes. And that's our power. But yeah, when you read that... Makes no sense. So, yeah, I totally agree with what you said there, Anthony.
1: And anyone wanting to know why Richard was on a weapons website, uh, buying weapons, uh, enough of the fluffle at gmail.com is the place to ask that question. You'll get a private response.
0: <laughs> okay, let's move on. So this one is from theforces.net. Vegan cadets say lack of food options could see them abandon military career. Yeah,
1: so despite... The efforts that we heard about last week, where the Humane Society were training chefs in the military to provide plant-based foods, University Officers Training Corps cadets who are vegan have this week warned the the website forces.net that a lack of plant-based food offerings could force some people to abandon any idea of joining the military at all. Members of the Training Corps told Forces News that they felt at risk of being forgotten and that there needed to be a wider variety of culinary options. One officer cadet called Tara said she would just feel forgotten without more events like World Vegan Day, which is celebrated on the 1st of November each year, and discussions about how to improve the offering for vegetarians and vegans. Another cadet, Sarah McCran, told Forces News, I'm vegetarian, but I'd like to be more vegan within the army, though I find it difficult because they told me when I first started in the training corps that they don't cater for vegans. So that's a conscious decision for me to be like, OK, I have to be vegetarian when I'm in the army. However, of course, if they gave me the option, then I definitely would be. I'd always choose the vegan option, but currently it's not something that they allow us to do. Katie, a fellow vegetarian member of the training corps, said she feels being vegetarian is doable, but you have to fight your own corner in telling caterers, no, I need a veggie option. When they've ran out of such options, she's been told, just take the ham out and you'll be fine. Katie said progress has been made in the military acceptance of vegetarianism, but did not believe the same could be said for veganism. Finally, the University Officer Training Corps chef Lance Corporal Joe Gibbons said, when I first joined, vegetarianism was still quite unheard of. But nowadays, probably at least a quarter of our unit is vegetarian. And we're slowly seeing more and more vegans too. Rich, I found this article a really interesting read. I'd say of all the articles we're featuring this week, this is the one worth worth reading into more. I'll put a link in the show notes because I've only just read some little summaries of it really. It, to me, it just really showed how important the culture Of your community is with regards to veganism is if it's a if it's a community that is not at all welcoming of vegan culture then then you're really going to be facing an uphill battle
0: yeah it shows how important the community is and how little by little the culture needs to change and how difficult it is sometimes to break through these preconceptions or the constructs of every community there's a couple of things here I think from a health perspective, if you want your military to be healthy, probably offering more vegan options will definitely help. And I was going to ask you, Anthony, I I find it a bit surprising because last week we were discussing an article from, uh, I can't remember the source now, but they were talking about how they got a vegan chef to do some demos or something like it. So it's it's surprising the level of uh, difficulty into getting there.
1: Yes, I wonder whether there is just a a movement in the military at the moment, realizing that that I, I believe they're struggling to recruit people and they're looking at some of the barriers to, to doing so and I suppose if you're not particularly accepting of certain cultures certain ways of life veganism being one then that's going to be a complete barrier isn't it but like you say I think not only health really screams at me for this one because not only I think would eating a plant-based diet improve your health in improve improve your fitness in what is clearly a very physical role but I think that's probably going to be arguably the only way that you could advocate for this lifestyle change to somebody in the military i don't think doing so for animal rights ethics or for environmental benefits I'm, i mean maybe i'm being unfair there i think going going for the health argument but would be the best way to persuade people in this line of work that that a plant-based diet and lifestyle could still be for them but um good that they're recognizing these things and um and drawing attention to it i suppose isn't it
0: yeah I think you're right when you say that probably health would be the most important thing. I never thought about it in those terms, but I guess you're right. Acknowledging that health would be the main reason for them to move ahead. I might be wrong, or we might be wrong. Anyway, down to the ninth story now. So we're nearing the end of our news section, and we haven't covered the study yet. So let's take a look at this one from Science Direct. Is it me? others who matter.
1: Yeah so this study is about the role of consumers personal values in their interest towards meat alternatives as well as different social motives. So the study had three and a half thousand participants involved. They were from Finland, the UK, Germany and Sweden and the results showed that values such as self-enhancement and openness to change they were not associated with consumers' interest towards meat alternatives improving. Now, this is the opposite of what the author's hypothesized originally would happen. So they thought that being interested in developing yourself and being open to change would be real drivers in interests in meat alternatives. However, the this, this study showed that that wasn't the case. What did seem to correlate to people being interested in meat alternatives was what they called other focused values so self-transcendence as they called it had a positive connection to interest in meat alternatives so self-transcendence would be acknowledging that there is importance in things other than the self so you're not just looking at yourself you're looking beyond the self in terms of your motivations and and things like that so that was what they said was the key factor to, to people being interested in meat alternatives. It, it was a really interesting study. I have to say it was quite difficult to understand. wasn't written in the most accessible language. We'll nonetheless put a link in the show notes. And the conclusions, which seem to point to the fact that actually telling people that veganism will help them become better versions of themselves, it might not actually be the, the way to go, contrary to what we might have expected.
0: Well, I think probably the key to help animals and help people is to understand their needs and to understand the way in which a person can develop themselves and can grow and what triggers them to do so. I mean, we all have the need for significance and to have significance, we need to have contribution. That's a big aspect. People think that the more you have, it will make you happier, but actually Many studies have shown that there's a big correlation between how much you contribute and how happy or satisfied you are. And that comes back to the feeling of how significant I am. We all need that. We all need to be someone. So understanding what makes someone be significant and be satisfied and grow, probably it will help us tackle better how we can provide them with the tools required and needed so they can more easily go vegan.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just a general good advert for having studies that explain motivations in in human beings, really, isn't it? Um, Particularly, this one went against the author's hypothesis. Something that that interested me about this is that I think it kind of goes against the experience of Vegannuary because Vegannuary is deliberately done in January a big push towards trying veganism in January when you're trying to become a better version of yourself. You're trying to rid yourself of all those bad habits and blah, 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 blah. And actually, Veganuary has become hugely, hugely popular. Maybe not in terms of the population of the country, but still, its growth is massive and pretty much everyone's heard of it. And that is about becoming a better version of yourself and self enhancement. So I was interested that the study didn't find that self enhancement was a key motivator or value that that led towards people being interested in meat alternatives.
0: Yeah, as as you say, yeah, that's a bit of not contradiction, but a bit of different approaches. But I guess at the end of the day, you need many different approaches for people to switch and make a change. I don't know. Okay, on to our last story now. A nice juicy controversy. From the Daily Mail, supermarket giant Sainsbury's forced to apologise to vegans.
1: Yeah, so the Daily Mail have reported this one in classic hyperbolic style, saying phrases like, Vegans have vowed to boycott Sainsbury's over offensive Christmas cards. And furious animal lovers have blasted Sainsbury's over their playful Christmas cards. Let's examine the context a bit more and then we'll decide quite how angry we need to be. So there was a Christmas card that was spotted in Sainsbury's by somebody. It was a picture of a couple of pigs with snow on them looking a bit cold. And then the caption above it in speech marks said, don't worry, I hear we're getting some blankets. The reference obviously being made to pigs in blankets the regrettably popular dish that's consumed generally around christmas time in the uk but other times of the year too, where it's a small sausage wrapped in bacon particularly sick name pigs in blankets i've always thought anyway a lot of people got cross about this a lot of people posted in the comments section where when this christmas card was shared not shared by sainsbury's i should say it was just a shopper saw this took a picture of it tagged sainsbury's in it And then there's been a big reaction to it. I mean, Rich, what what do you think about this one? Will you be sending me one of these Christmas cards at the the start of December? Is it a lot of fuss over nothing? Do you find it funny? What do you think? Uh,
0: Probably I wouldn't send you that Christmas card in particular. (laughs) Although probably you would have thought that I do it with a a different intention. Or I don't know. But I do understand why someone can feel offended by that Christmas card. Having said that... Probably there's so many Christmas cards that you could find offensive. It just comes to show how we treat animals, not only in the real life, but also in our minds and what they represent to us and how we can make fun. Because I was thinking if you substitute those two pigs for two dogs in a Christmas card from China making jokes... Probably 90% of people would find it offensive. And if there's people in it with a sensitive topic and we made the joke about it, that would be very offensive and probably would go to court. So it makes you it makes you think.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's completely ridiculous in my mind is someone's picking up that Christmas card saying, oh, gosh, this is offensive. Um, this is upsetting. I mean, a lot of people in the comments weren't vegan. They weren't vegetarian. They said, "I, you know what, I eat pork, but I find this a bit sad. I find this a bit um, glib. I find it a bit depressing. Take a walk from where that Christmas card is displayed. Walk 20 metres, go to the meat aisle and then look at an actual pack of pigs in blankets. What's more offensive? A Christmas card where there's a picture of a pig, who's not real, by the way. You know, that that is just a picture. It's it, it wasn't a photo, it's it's an artistic thing. Go go twenty meters away and you've got the actual flesh of a dead pig that's being called pigs in blankets. Which which are we gonna complain to Sainsbury's about? My vote's with the second one. I'm, I'm not saying anyone who eats meat it's absolutely disgusting. Like, I understand how culture has has led people to do this. I'm not saying that anyone who does so is horrible. But actually, calling the product pigs in blankets is a 100 times more offensive to me than that joke. I mean, that joke's quite, I mean, it's dark humour, isn't it? Um, and it's it's probably not something that I find necessarily funny, but I can appreciate where the joke teller is coming from. But, like, the actual product's the offensive thing, isn't it?
0: We live in a society nowadays where, as you say, because it's a lot more offensive and cruel, the real thing, than the comment of the thing. So, we live in a world where we get offended by a comment of the reality rather than the rea- reality itself. And that seems very weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. So. Yeah, As you say, it's more offensive. Just take a, a look at any meat aisle. go to your local butchers or don't go. Just stay outside and, and watch. But please don't go in and have a look. And you'll see lambs that in reality are babies. You see chickens that are babies because they're killed after less than 47 days, 46 days. We think that's normal. We think that's food. It's like, oh, it's such a shame that that food goes to waste. No, that's a dead animal. That's a carcass that's decomposing, and that shows you how we need to tackle things from many different angles. We need to tackle it from the more abstract level when we talk about jokes and all this, and make it. You need to understand sometimes why is this offensive, and do I follow the behavior? that makes this be offensive or not, if that makes sense. But yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said there.
1: Yeah, it, the most hyperbolic response was someone saying, I'm never going to shop in Sainsbury's again now. And I just think, well, did, did you not know that they served dead animals already? Like, if you're going to boycott Sainsbury's, I think you need a better reason than that. But anyway, an, an interesting one an interesting one for us to discuss and to mull over isn't it and indeed a question to the enough of the falafel community out there listening like what are your thoughts on not just this story but any of this week's news stories like the should sainsbury's be putting christmas cards like that out there does it in a strange way actually help the vegan movement by highlighting these things are net west now the best vegan advocates of 2023 and do you think chat gpt is being optimistic with 2075 as its projection for a vegan world majority anything we've missed or got completely wrong uh we we've tried to comment on stories about the military and breastfeeding this week something that richard and i perhaps never thought we would be doing in our lives we've given it our best go but there are definitely people out there who can give us more informed decisions on those two stories and probably all of them to be fair let us know your opinions enough of the falafel at gmail.com is the place to do so
0: a thing like this has been an interesting uh, news section, Anthony, so thanks very much for finding these stories and putting them together. Well, we'd love to hear from you, and just a reminder, if you spot news or articles that you think would catch our interest, get in touch with us by email at enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. We'd also add Enough of the Falafel on Facebook, Instagram or TikTok, where you can get little sneak previews on the news we're covering in each episode. Welcome back for the second part of the show. This week we want to discuss the call from Ad Free Cities to ban meat advertising in the UK. Ad-Free Cities is a network of groups across the UK who are concerned about the impacts of corporate advertising on our health, well-being, environment, climate, communities and the local economy. You can find them at adfreecities.org.uk. In this case, they are lobbying and campaigning to get meat ads banned in the UK. Their campaign comes with a published report called The Cows Aren't Laughing, which outlines nine common tactics used by advertisers to hide the reality of meat, dairy and egg production. These are Keep it secret Erase the animal objectify the animal, normalise meat, humane washing, to say it's healthy, greenwash and misinformation, get nostalgic and the promise of love. So what are they suggesting? Call on MPs to ban advertising for damaging and polluting products, Introduce ethical and low-carbon advertising policies at the council level. Expose misleading advertising by complaining to Advertising Standards Authority. And reduce the number of billboards and bus stop ads. Those interested in getting involved with this are invited to join their local ad block group or start their own. So, the question we want to ask listeners this week is, will meat adverts soon be a thing of the past? Anthony, I guess it's probable that we both think that meat ads should be banned, but do you think they will really get banned?
1: Um, I'm not sure whether I think that meat ads should be banned. They irritate me. I don't like them. Uh, I don't want there to be companies out there who are putting them out there. I'm not sure whether... I agree with banning them because I'm not sure... I've got views on censorship and, and what it does and what it doesn't do. In terms of, to answer your, your second question, do I think that it will happen? I think it depends on the on, on the country. And we've both done some research on this topic prior to this discussion. And we've both found several towns and cities in the Netherlands that have banned meat ads. I think it very much depends on the country and the culture of that country. And I think in the UK, people are very wary of being told what to do. And people like their liberalism, they like their freedom. They don't like to be restricted. Lockdown was, I think, it, it was uh, experienced the same as in any other country. But I think probably a lot more Britons resented it more than than in other parts of the world and i'm not i'm not giving a value judgment on that i'm not saying whether i think that's right or not um but i think people don't like things being banned and so i don't i think it would take a lot more for it to be banned in this country than somewhere else or to put another way i think there will be other countries who where we will see these bans happening before we see it in this country as it as is evidenced in in the Netherlands i mean do you have an opinion on it rich do you, do you think it will will take place now or anytime soon well let
0: me go back to the first question you surprised me there because yeah. i
1: really thought you'd yeah. going you're
0: going to say yes it should be banned <laughs> and i'm all for it and how dare they put these billboards and these meat ads i get yeah. where you come from but i wanted to ask how do you think the freedom of someone or the freedom of expression is something that needs to be above whatever you're advertising. And I, d- I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm thinking about the tobacco industry when you're saying this. So is it about everyone should advertise whatever they feel about it, or with, because you mentioned some censorship there. So I, I want to yes. understand more your point of view in that, because. I'm on the other spectrum. I believe in freedom yeah. of information and I'm giving away the information here myself. I believe in freedom <laughs> of information. I believe in freedom in general. But I do think that some things should be banned and mm. I follow the tobacco industry in that where because it's so clear that it's damaging people, it's been banned and before all the Formula One cars used to have all these big Marlboro and all these companies, and Mm, now mm. they can't do it. And I would go as far as say they should do the same with alcohol. But anyway, back to you to to get (laughs) your
1: thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, where to start? So, to start with, I just want to be clear. I think meat advertising should be banned because it is advertising that it's okay to kill a sentient being simply for a few moments of pleasure in your mouth, which is completely preposterous, awful thing that is unfortunately part of our culture and and most cultures across the world. However, (laughs) that's not what's being proposed here. What's being proposed here is that meat ads should be banned because of their environmental impact. Now, for me, the, the, the fact that an animal's life is being ended is completely black and white. You cannot have the meat, well, until we have lab-grown meat, you cannot have the meat unless an animal is killed. Now, from an environmental point of view, if we're just looking through that lens, if we have one beef burger a year for our birthday, that's, that's fine from an environmental point of view, isn't it? that's not going to lead us into a into a, a climate change apocalypse somebody having one beef burger a year now obviously mcdonald's would not have the huge multi-million or, or billion pound uh marketing budget that it does annually if we only bought one beef burger from them a year however if we just take away the ethics of 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 killing animals for a moment. <laughs> we seem to be doing this a lot on Vegan Week, actually just saying, let's just do, ignore the killing just for a moment, but let's do so. <laughs> just from an environmental point of view, I would I would defend the meat industry's right to advertise that one beef burger a year or five beef burgers a year, because actually that by itself is not causing an environmental catastrophe. The, the volume in which we are eating it yes but that that's on a sliding scale and and so I, I don't know that I I necessarily defend the, the, the censorship of it there and and in fact to go to your point of of smoking, yes I remember when uh, Formula One cars used to but I think they were all sponsored by uh, tobacco companies at, at one oh, point um, and and now they're not and just look around in the streets no one smokes anymore oh no wait they still do it's decreased it sure but the the fact is that by arguably by making smoking something that is taboo that you're not even allowed to advertise it we're not even allowed to display the products anymore they're behind an opaque piece of material and we have to ask for it and they've got these warnings on it makes it more alluring it makes it more naughty and that's why people do it isn't it that's why people smoke to start with is because it's always it's it's this naughty act and i think the same is that it, it can be said for any kind of censorship if you make something a bit forbidden a bit taboo it can increase its appeal and yes it would i'm sure if there were a meat uh, if there were a ban on meat advertising it would reduce in a decrease in meat consumption which thereby would reduce the number of animals who are who are being killed every year yes fantastic but actually that's not what we're advocating for as ethical vegans is it we're not advocating for a slight reduction in the number of animals who are killed each year. We're saying we don't want it to happen at all. And what I'm saying is, I don't think that banning meat advertising will result in that stop of 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 all animal consumption. And I, I don't think that, I, I think there would be lots of unintended side effects and responses and reactions to this that could actually backfire against the animal rights movement. People saying, you can't tell me that I'm not allowed to eat meat. Look at this. They're they're saying we can't do it anymore. We're seeing it in councils at the moment, aren't we? A few councils said, we're only going to serve plant-based foods at our our council functions, our council meetings anymore. And now we are seeing a response of loads of councils saying, no, 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 we back local farmers. Now, I'm not saying that those first councils shouldn't have gone plant-based in their meetings. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is there is, these things are complex. There are so many different factors involved. And to to think that one by itself is going to do something is is naive. So I, I, on balance, to ban meat advertisements, purely for environmental reasons, I wouldn't back that. But I would back it because the meat industry involves needlessly killing sentient beings. You made me think a lot here now. You made me think a
0: lot. I guess from an emotional point of view, I want to see it banned, because there's a part in me that says I cannot cope more with what's happening in the world from a vegan Mm. point of view, when you see all these animals being killed, and how they're raised, and all the suffering involved. But you made me think that maybe there could be a backlash, so probably I would go for, if it's not banned, which, as I said, I would ban it, probably for emotional reasons. I think at least they should put a clear picture of what the end consumer is getting from the animal that's being there. Because we always see happy cows and happy pigs. We were talking before about pigs in blankets, and probably mm-hmm. you and I picked up on that. And obviously, that Sainsbury customer picked up on that. Of course, he did, or she did. I guess if you do not ban it, but you put a clear picture of how a pig is raised, how chickens are raised, probably that's a better call of action because I, I know we shouldn't shame anyone. But probably the person eating it does not want to be responsible for that level of suffering. So it could be even more effective than just banning it.
1: Yeah, I I think one of the difficulties with banning it in my mind is it's too blunt and it doesn't allow us to explore the nuance and to understand the context of things. Like you say, there could be a shame response from consumers. There could be all sorts of backlash. Whereas actually, let's focus on the details that make up our reasons for wanting to do so. So one thing that ad-free cities are saying is that they want to expose misleading advertising by complaining to the advertisers Advertising Standards Authority. Now, I'm completely behind that. There's so much misleading meat advertising, dairy advertising. Let's give ourselves more of a platform and and kind of lubricate the process and make it a lot easier to complain about that. Completely behind that. And as much as I really dislike seeing a picture of a juicy Big Mac on my screen during the ads of a TV show, in a sense... I've got less problem with that. I obviously don't want to see it. I'd obviously much rather it wasn't there. But I think the target to go for at the moment is the Advertising Standards Authority, is the Misinformation Act, is, is stuff like that saying, do you know what? You're not giving the whole picture here or you're completely distorting the picture. It's not like that at all. I think that's where we should be We should be putting our energies. And I'm, I'm glad to see that they brought that up in their campaign.
0: From what you're saying, where do you draw the line there? Is it... Uh... Eggs, dairy? Is it a burger? Is it like mm. in a restaurant that they're just advertising, I don't know, um carbonara, spaghetti la carbonara? Should that be banned? Mm. It's a difficult one. I think
1: well yeah. I th- I think it depends on what the claim is, doesn't it? I mean, I I, I believe in these things, in going for the low hanging fruit. So if there's something that is black and white where where a company is portraying, I don't know, or uh, you know, free range, uh, just, just a chicken waltzing through a, a a barnyard. A barnyard is that even a thing? A farmyard, looking all happy and whatever. No, no, no. That's not what happens. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to associate your KFC product with this. There was one they had a couple of years ago with like a cockerel just strutting down the down the road. It infuriated me because that that's that's clearly misleading. That's clearly wrong. And I would start there with things that are clear violations. You know what?
0: I, I think it's very difficult seeing this happen because of lobbying. I see it very difficult. I find it very difficult, sorry, to for these companies to stop doing what they're doing and for the the authority, the advertising standards authority to say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to... I don't know if they ban or if they make them change. I don't know what they, what they do or their level of enforcement is when it comes to a misleading ad. But I think we've had cases also where vegan ads have got lots of backlash. And I don't know if the um, the Advertising Standard Authority went into action there or not. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, I believe in the freedom of consumers to know what they're buying and to know their choices and to be very accurate when it comes to, if I'm buying this product, I know what I'm paying for, where it comes from. I mean, it makes no sense of buying fruit that you can trace to the end and say, yeah, it comes from Colombia or Brazil or Morocco when I know how it's been transported. And we don't know the conditions in which these animals grow. So I mm. feel like they're very, very misleading, these ads.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just feel like banning them... I, I should say I, I'm completely behind that. If you go on Ad Free Cities, if you if you go on their website, there's so much good stuff on there. Um, and it sounds like I'm being quite negative towards it, but that they're all about, as the name suggests, Ad Free Cities. The fact that there's just advertisements everywhere and that we're bombarded, and they want to reduce that. And I'm completely behind that. But in in terms of just saying, oh, if we if we just stop people being ab- able to advertise these things then then all of a sudden these what these industries will stop or people will stop buying things like of of course they won't and and i suppose they're not saying that they're the this is the one solution and it will do it by itself but like we're talking about a culture where people are brought up eating meat eating dairy and we need so many different things to to make a difference to that and Mm. i mean we had tom on we had tom on the show a few weeks ago and he's a he's a primary school teacher and there's so much in primary school classrooms and children's books and tv shows that that make farms seem like these wonderful places with happy animals and things like that that for me is the, is the target that we should be going for r- rather than trying you know I'd, I'd, I'd much rather ban that sort of thing <laughs> and, and and decry that as being completely misleading um i think but- than an ad because i think people are quite skeptical of ads anyway aren't they Oh, or a lot yeah, of people especially are. nowadays and the media. Yes.
0: So yeah. the the problem here is when you ban advertising a behavior that's not good in the first place instead of uh, banning or punishing or changing the behavior, because we're talking about if if you know something's not good, like smoking, for example, why don't you ban mm. smoking instead of banning mm. smoke uh, advertisements? And I think the same applies here. But I see, I, I really think if I had to give a timeline I cannot see this happening anytime soon. I really don't believe we'll see this anytime soon. I mean, there's too many interests. The the meat industry has lots of um, lobbying power. The dairy industry, it's very Mm. difficult for politicians or whoever decides this to say, you know what? Yes, we're not going to put any ad here when many people in those positions are linked, related, or benefit from those industries in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I th- thinking about it, I wonder whether we'll see something rather than a wholesale ban, perhaps we'll have individual advertisers making choices saying, do you know what? In our newspaper, we're not going to do meat ads because we can see the impact that it's having on the environment. I, I, I could see that happening a lot more More readily, we've already got a a lot of news agencies, like The Guardian, for example. We get a lot of stories on Vegan Week from The Guardian, and they seem very keen to push a a pro-vegan and a pro-environmentalist agenda. And I could see places like that saying, "Do you know what? We're going to take things a step further now. We're no longer going to put meat ads in in our ad space because they'll just get someone else to do it, rather than a whole government saying meat ads are now completely banned." That seems far less likely.
0: But can you do that? Can you really say say to someone, "I do not want to show you ad"? Isn't that this? Yeah, of course you can. Really?
1: Um, no, I, I think in a free market, I, I, yes, I'm I'm sure you can do that. I mean, yes, yes. If, I'm saying this with some certainty, and I don't know for sure, but I, I think if, so long as you can give a justifiable reason for something i mean when researching the show earlier i was looking at nat west and who they still lend to um and i reckon you know, banks can... i
0: reckon sorry to stop you we should okay. put, advertise our podcast on farming uk and see <laughs> if we get published <laughs> um why not you know i can contact them and say listen do you, do you mind asking me what's the price of an ad uh what do you want to advertise our vegan week podcast what would they say to us I,
1: I do they have say to we don't want to? No, of course not. No, of course not. I I, I mean, my understanding anyway, is that council funded or government funded entities will have a lot more difficulty in making decisions like that. Whereas like a, a, a capitalist free market business can basically do whatever it wants, so long as it's kind of not making a discriminatory decision that that's kind of groundless but i i think you could you could very easily say no actually we don't we don't want to be advertising the meat industry because of the environmental impact that these scientific studies show that it's having it's a very good question i don't know the answer and we we should research no i
0: like your answer i really like your answer i mean yeah if i have the freedom of saying listen uh I do not want to advertise your business because of these reasons, environmental, I guess you could do it on ethical grounds maybe and say, I do not align or our business does not align with what you do. Therefore I cannot advertise you.
1: Yeah. I I mean, we're getting into a side discussion in a sense here, but I mean, you and I have, you and I have both been business owners where, where anyone can walk in off the street and come to our business and, and, and ask to be served. And I my understanding is that w- we have the right to say, I don't want to serve you. Now somebody can somebody can say, you're not serving me because of because of my race or my religion or my sexuality. And that's that's not okay. But you could just say, I just don't want to serve you. And I, I think that's okay.
0: Well, yeah, we we're discussing here whether we could or could not do it. But in fact, the truth in truthness, that has already happened in the Netherlands. There's the first city, I believe, it was Haarlem, in the Netherlands, yeah. and that was in 2022. And there's a couple more, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. Gosh, uh, we need more listeners in the Netherlands. So if anyone's listening from there, do you pronounce it Blaamendal? Um, Sounded I good think. to me. Yeah, and Utrecht unfortunately well so well no first of all they have already banned meat ads but unfortunately that's the law but not the enforcement so because of existing contracts they've not been able to do so yet um we're hoping to see that in the future so we can't we really don't know the results there yet.
1: yeah yeah and and obviously i mean like we're saying in terms of the parallels with smoking it's not going to mean that no one buys meat in Holland anymore, is it? It's But like you say, it would be interesting to see what effect after, I don't know, three years, what happens to the sale of meat in those three towns where where meat has, has been banned. Something I was thinking, Rich, was that the amount that, say, if we take McDonald's or Tyson's meat or, you know, big Cargill's, big, big meat and animal agriculture companies, the amount that they spend on marketing every year is in the hundreds of millions. And I think McDonald's annual marketing budget is in the billions. If all of a sudden they're not allowed to spend that money anymore, are we not just making them more profitable? Because if it's happening across the board, it's not like McDonald's themselves are being banned and therefore Burger King will swallow up their market share because they're allowed to advertise. They're all banned in this hypothetical universe. So yes, the, let's say sales go down by 10% across the board. But if they're not spending a billion pounds on marketing every year, surely they're becoming more profitable businesses, aren't we? Aren't they? <laughs> we? Uh, I'm not part of them. I am nothing what? to do with what? it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it all depends. If we had, if we had vegan chains
0: or other types of restaurants, diners. You you don't know what the impact would be. I mean, if they, sp- I'm, I reckon if they spend 1.6, I think it was billion, 1.9 billion dollars last year, surely they get a return from it. I understand your point of view. Well, if no one's advertising, well, no one pays money. But actually, would they still get the same amount of customers through the door? Because you might go to McDonald's, I don't know, I know people that go five days a week, but imagine someone goes five days a week, but actually they go because they're encouraged to go. So maybe they would go three times a week.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, we're, we're obviously hypothesizing here, but I, I, knowing how chains work, I know a lot of the marketing budget that they have is to prevent people going to their competitors. It's not to encourage people to buy fast food. It's to say, don't go to Costa, come to Starbucks or or, or, or whatever. So it's it's just an interesting thing. And it, it did just make me think, actually, I think rather than banning meat ads, something that i would much prefer would be the government subsidizing ads for plant-based companies to be advertising their products and i think although although um um, you know the uh, farmers unions and things like that would be up in arms about it i think if it was under the guise of the government is giving an environmental sustainability marketing grant to companies with a carbon footprint that's below a certain threshold and you can apply for that grant. And if you're successful, then, you know, 75% of the cost of your ad gets gets paid by the government. I, I think that would be a lot more effective than just saying you're not allowed to advertise the meat industry. What what they need is competition from, from vegan food companies and more environmental causes, I would say anyway.
0: Well, it's all related, is it? I mean, companies change their behaviour to match it to the customer behavior. Whatever customers want, companies will serve. And Mm. it's a reinforcing cycle. Whatever companies advertise is what the customer wants in a way. It's a self-reinforcing loop. We need to start breaking that loop. So first thing, as you mentioned there, subsidies. Well, let's stop animal agriculture subsidies and let's put that Mm. money into sustainable plant-based foods, crops let's subsidize crops also there needs to be work there to change people's behaviors and related to what we're doing is probably even if we don't ban these ads even if we don't see a ban ad they they cannot be misleading to the customers because mm. i strongly yeah. believe in the customers free freedom of information to make an informed choice
1: yeah absolutely and and like you say take away those agricultural subsidies for for animal farming and and give it to to crop farmers arable farmers when was the last time you saw an advert for apples for vegetables for nuts for grains like you just don't see it do you yeah, I don't know what your uh, Google algorithm is, Richard, but it's very different <laughs> to mine. Um, j- just, Just a question for you. My brain's going to the tobacco industry a lot here. And I think that's because, you know, in my formative years, that was a massive, massive culture shift when I was growing up. Tobacco advertising was banned. And then we saw them put in certain areas of shops where you could barely see them or couldn't see them at all. And then we had the, you know, we had the warnings put on packages and things like that. I, I wonder, do you think that that is our best sort of case study, if you like, to see what does and doesn't work with regards to this? And like, what can we learn from that? Like, what would you take from the example of tobacco advertising and apply to to veganism, to to plant-based foods?
0: First of all, with the tobacco industry, it's not only about advertising, it's about taxing. And Mm. that increased the price a lot. So yes, it's a combination of things which we can easily put into the meat products. First of all, you do not allow them to sponsor sports, understandably, and you kind of ban the... um, the ads you cannot advertise it that's one aspect the second aspect is you heavily tax it you make it difficult for people to purchase that product and i'm not only saying put some taxes to meet just stop subsidizing it it's like saying can you imagine the government saying yeah we're going to subsidize tobacco you can get it for i don't know what it costs but i don't no. know a sig, uh yeah. feel free get as many as you want no subsidizing something is encouraging people to continue that behavior so with the tobacco industry we saw as i say stop at ad, ads tax it and show the effects that it has And meat Mm -hmm. case, it should be health, should be environment and should be ethics. And the combination of three will make it decrease. Now, of course, like many people know that with tobacco, some people know all of the effects, how much it costs and no matter what, they won't change. So, yeah, we need a substitute. And that's when we have all the meat substitutes that are coming out and all these new technology companies putting their brains to serve.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. That last point, the biggest change I've seen in my life with regards to smoking habits has not been uh, taxing it, not been banning the advertising, not telling people about the warnings of it, not saying you're not allowed to smoke indoors anymore. It has been an alternative product being brought out. Uh, so electronic cigarettes, vaping. And if if that is the same for animal products. And of course, it's completely different in so many different ways. But I wonder whether that is giving us a bit of a clue as to where we should be going in terms of really promoting the alternatives out there. And I, I think, in a sense, I'm quite reassured by that, because the start of this discussion, I was saying, I really don't think banning meat advertising is going to do what we want it to. I don't know if I even agree with it. And that kind of re forces that now in that i'm coming to a collusion conclusion that actually what we really need to do is promote the alternative be be positive but really get behind that if we're saying that there's a climate catastrophe because that is that's the context of this isn't it no one's suggesting banning meat adverts because of animal rights reasons regrettably as much as we would like that to be the case if we're really worried about the environmental catastrophe, let's heavily, heavily promote and incentivize people going for the alternative products. And that's something I could get behind personally. I don't know about you, Rich.
0: Well, yes, we should be considering every single alternative that brings health to the people, that brings a prosperous future from a climate point of view and that respects every living being. So, yeah, I agree in in that sense. Mm. So from what we've said in this discussion, what are your final thoughts or what's your conclusion to all of this?
1: So I think I'm definitely heading towards the carrot rather than the stick. So in incentivizing or carrot rather than the steak, um, incentivising people to make positive choices rather than penalising negative ones. Of course, I don't think meat advertising should happen. I don't think meat consumption should happen. But to be pragmatic about it, I I think banning it um, it, it is just not going to have the effect that we want. That said, if we do want to look at the advertising industry and how things are marketed, I think the low hanging fruit for me there is to look at advertising standards, misleading information. I think that More than warnings, because I I wondered about, well, could you say that for every meat advert that's out there or advert that's got an animal product in it, there should be a warning that comes up on the screen? But I I just don't think that works. However, I do think we can say, look, that's completely misleading and make it easier to report these things and make there more of a culture that these things are banned. We saw in a previous episode of the podcast that a, a Viva advert... Um, a pro-animal rights advert got banned after seven complaints were made. So if we just make the process more straightforward to report these things, it's not like we need thousands of us reporting these ads. A few of us would do it. So to summarise that in bullet points, if we want to go after advertising, go for the advertising standards side of things rather than banning stuff. But just in general, I think positive incentives trumps banning stuff every time for me what, what what about you rich what would your sort of concluding thoughts be on this one
0: i think first of all we won't see this happen in the in the near future i think the netherlands might have started it let's see how that how that uh f- unfolds i think we need more data on what happens in from there end and see if that really has an effect because uh I might have my thoughts, but I want to have data. So I want to know, really, if that has any effect on people. I think that should be accurate and should reflect reality. And I think the biggest thing we're taking out of uh, consumers is the right to know what's going on. And I think that's the first thing that needs to be addressed. I think consumers could make more responsible choices if they had all the information in front of them, not by being misled with the kind of advertisements they do. Having said that, I think a multidisciplinary approach where you take into account the taxes that people pay, the subsidies, advertisement, sponsorships, all of that, ads will help to a certain degree, but certainly we need to tackle all the different aspects of it until we can finally say that, okay, meat is a thing from the past
1: indeed let's hope we let's hope we get to say that one day eh according to chat it's uh, only 52 years away let's let's leave things there shall we so a, a question to everyone listening right now what what are your thoughts on this subject like is this a realistic thing that we could be campaigning for there's a there's an organisation out there that we can join and that we can help pushing for this like is this something that could actually happen should there be other things that we're targeting and we're we're prioritising instead Or should we be subsidizing plant based or vegan companies instead rather than penalizing meaty ones? You know where to get in touch with us it's enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your voice on this and hear your opinions. Which we're almost at the end of the episode now. Thanks once again for being here and sharing the space with me, sharing your thoughts with us. You too, my friend. Rich, be- before we go, I have to ask, why were you on the website of a company that uh, manufactures and sells weapons? I think anyone staying with the show this long this week should should be told the answer.
0: I would have no problem saying why I was there. But it's private information that I cannot disclose from the current job oh. I'm doing. So oh, okay. I'm really sorry, but I cannot <laughs> disclose that information. <laughs> well, I'd love Rick- to. I'd love to. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to <laughs> say, go to this website. Have a look at them. Are they
1: serious? I can't. Well, i tell you what, Rich. If any If any messages appear on my phone this week detail in the names of companies and i happen to mention those companies names in next week's podcast then then maybe the listeners might end up on that website anyway who knows who am i to say remember we'd
0: absolutely love to hear your voices too <laughs> on this podcast enough of the falafel at gmail.com is the place to send your thoughts questions comments or concerns regarding any of the new stories or anything else we've covered in this week's episode including this website
1: indeed anyway that's enough of the falafel from us this week thank you everyone for listening we really do appreciate every single one of you especially if you've had to wade through the tripe that is richard and i talking about environmentally friendly weapons i have been anthony i've been richard and this has been episode nine of vegan week